0: going on everyone welcome back to the ravens roundtable table. bit of a different roundtable than the last one we just did it's just me and you guys are part of the roundtable because i took your questions we're doing a little bit of a post combine ask me anything uh haven't done a ton of these but it's always fun to uh expand on answers in more than 140 characters so everyone that kind of tweeted at me will will post uh what the question was and we'll, we'll we'll discuss through it obviously if you guys are here on youtube you have to be on youtube to to uh to use the comments, I won't see it if it's on Twitter. Um, I will go check the replies in case you guys reply more questions. But you know, feel free to add more, and we can just run through them. Um, and I can, th- you know, gladly say we didn't receive one Greg Roman question. So congratulations, Ravens fans! We're moving on to the acceptance stage uh, in 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 the phases of grief. <laughs> so that's really exciting. Um, so let's get right into it. Uh, so again, post combine, ask me anything. If you guys are here on YouTube. Feel free to ask more, um, engage with the answers. I'll pop it up. Uh, and let's get into the first one from Aiden Bradley, 86, do the combine numbers change your impression of any player or tape traps anything? Finally, if top three tackles are gone, would you go D line or DB depending on who's on the board? Uh, so to start with the first question, um, it, it's a good question. How do we take the pieces of information that the combine gives us and use it in our evaluation process? Um, For me personally, the tape does trump a lot of things. Um, Typically, you know, fast players play fast, uh, slow players play slow. Um, But in certain situations where guys, you know, test really well and it didn't quite look like that on tape, you go back and you watch, you know, why did it look like that? Why is he not doing it here? Is it a play speed issue? And that process, what it does is it really shows you how you could unlock a player's potential. Um, So, you know, if, if, with more coaching, better mental processing, can they unlock that play speed to play up to their athletic ability? Um, The best way to look at the, um, I mean, take a guy like Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton didn't run a good 40, right? Didn't have a very good speed score. He had really uh, good other aspects of his testing for his explosion and his agility, but didn't have a good speed score, but you go watch him play and his processing is such a high level. His explosion is such a high level that is 40 long speed doesn't quite matter. So, I mean, it's all about doing that balance, but it's one of those things where, you know, the tape doesn't lie, and that's usually where I fall back on. And then if the top three tackles are gone, would you go D-line or D-B, depending on who's on the board? Um, It would really depend. Uh, I think... You know, in terms of factoring in the need, I think D-line's obviously a bigger need than corner is, but I do think corny, corner's a corny, corner's a bit of a sneaky need. So, um, you know, it's, it's really going to depend. Like if you have a Trayvon Walker through uh, versus uh, like Andrew Booth, I'm probably leaning Walker. Um, but if you have, you know, a Stingley fall, um, I mean, it depends on the medicals with Stingley specifically, but if you have Sauce Gardner, say, say an exa- this won't happen, but say it was like Trevon Walker versus, um, Sauce Gardner. How do you do that? I'd probably still lead towards the more needier position and go Trayvon Walker. Um, so that's really where need can kind of work into your BPA. Um, again, don't quite see it being those two, because I don't think they'll get to 14. Um, but you know, that's kind of how I factor it in. Uh, thanks for the question, Aiden. And then Big Trust UK. Who are you hoping would go after an FA? Uh, great question. Free agency starts on Monday. Uh, who do I want to see? Um, I know the kind of. I mean, it's. I wouldn't say you know flavor of the month. I mean, I think we've all been talking about this since the season ended. But you know, everyone seems to want the Honey Badger, um, and I get the fit. I mean, I can see how adding that versatile skill set, um, specifically, you know, a guy known as a playmaker, um, would really help. You know, it helps stabilize Brandon Stevens. Uh, Mike McDonald's shown an ability to play three safeties. So I think that makes sense too. Um, but for me, and I've leaned, you know, I kind of went back and forward on this, had a couple Twitter threads on it. And I think I finally landed um, the way I would like to approach um, the free agency period is to try and basically stabilize the offensive line before you go into the draft. So what I'm worried about is you know, they go into the draft needing a couple tackles, needing a starting center, and then, sure, you can go in and you can hit it. You can invest a ton of draft capital, but then going into week one, you're going to have rookies starting. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs are an interesting example because they had Creed Humphrey beside um, – oh, my God, his name uh, – kid out of Tennessee. Uh, Smith. Uh, can't think of his first name. Drive me nuts. Um but anyway, so they had two rookies starting beside each other. So it's kind of like, well, what are you talking about? But they also had a vet in Orlando Brown Jr. that they brought in. They had a vet in Joe Tooney that they brought in. And then they had a so little bit of right ta- tackle stability in Yang who have been around a bit. Um, so I think uh, those other investments paired really well with it. Um, what I'd be worried about is if you get to week one and Stanley can't rock and you've now drafted a bunch of tackles, uh, you have two, you know, maybe two rookie starting tackles. Is that what we want? Did Juwan James get healthy? Is Patrick McCarty back out there instead of in the six-man role? Um, that's a lot of instability. Um, that's a lot to ask of rookies uh, as your book ends. Um, so what I would do is, uh, unless they were really happy with Juwan James' workouts at the, you know, in December when he finally got out on the practice field and was doing some work, if they looked at him and said, okay, he's already rehabbed, now he's going to have a full off season where he's not rehabbing. He's kind of ramping up, getting ready for the season. I can see them going, okay, James is going to be that one year stop gap at right tackle. Let's move forward with that. I can kind of see that. Um, but if they don't have that type of security and now we're dealing with Stanley, maybe not getting back, I would cut him and go after another right tackle, go get a Morgan Moses um, and, and get him in there. There's your right tackle taken care of. Now you just need, That depth for stanley at the left tackle position good thing this draft is littered with left tackles um more developmental guys do you want developmental left tackle playing probably not but that's just the situation they're in with the franchise left tackle uh suffering a significant ankle injury um but i think getting that stability and free agency at at least one spot as well as center um, would go a long way in stabilizing the offensive line and getting it ready for week one um i don't really want to go into a situation where you have two rookies starting uh and they're you know they they have the, the the rookie learning curve um and I think you know you could look at the Chiefs and say well they pulled it off and that may be true but I think Creed Humphrey was a little bit of an outlier and uh even Rashawn Slater and the fact that they took you know all pro pro bowl strides as rookies that's not necessarily how it goes all the time couple of these guys will. I can see Iki Ikuanu being really pro-ready. Um, Evan Neal being really pro-ready. Those guys just aren't going to be in the Ravens' range. Uh, you look at last year, guys like Sam Cosby, Liam Eikenberg, uh, the guys that went, you know, towards the end of the round, even Christian Derisaw, who went 20th to the Vikings. Um, they just had ups and downs, and that's just the life of a rookie. So do we want that at our bookend tackle situation? Go out, get a tackle, solidify one of the spots. I think Trent Brown's an excellent option. He, you know, people say, well, can he play left tackle? Well, he was a, won a Super Bowl at left tackle with Patriots in a gap or offense like ours. So I think it makes a lot of sense to go do that. Um, so that my focus in free agency is on the offensive line. Um, from Runro, uh, or our sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. If Penning is there at 14, does he trump everyone? And if Stingley falls to us, do you have doubts about him coming off his injury 2020 year? Uh, with Penning... Penning is going to be a bit of a polarizing one, right? Uh, tested really well, in my opinion, didn't play that athletic, but this is that situation I talked about earlier. Maybe that's his potential, right? If he, you know, if the if the mental processing comes around, maybe he's trained his butt off in this off season and that, you know, that training alone to get ready for the combine did some things like unlock his hips, make him more fluid. Um, you have to factor all that in. Uh, I think you're going to get to a situation where, Penning is going to make sense if they pick them, they're hitting a position in need, they're getting a guy, you know, with a high relative athletic score, um, you know, pretty good tape, uh, some deficiencies, but some a lot of these things look like they can be coached, um, you get the guy with the right mentality. He's you know, he's ready for NFL physicality, I think that's good. We'll find ways to live with it. Um, you know, I just think it's going to be hard to make a case that he was better than some of the defensive players available. Um, So that's kind of where I'm stuck there. And then on the second part of your question with, with Stingley, I mean, how much does this feel like Marquise Brown, right? Like they went out and drafted, you know, a a wide receiver in round one in 2019 that had a screw in his foot. Um, So, you know, we've been here before we were there before uh, with Jimmy Smith, who had injury concerns and then, you know, missed a bunch of times. The Ravens aren't scared to make that, that risky pick, I don't know about you guys. I have PTSD after last year. I would probably be leaning a little bit more on the safe side uh, of things. So, I mean, they're going to probably go with a guy like Stingley if he falls there. And if he's kind of BPA, that just seems to be what they do. Um, but he, he, I'm absolutely going to be, you know, I was like this with Marquise Brown his rookie. Year. Every time he got hit, I cringe just because not because even because of his stature, just because I was like, is this the hit that knocks him out for his rookie year? Um, just having those injury concerns, uh, you know, it makes you nervous. So I think that's definitely um, gonna gonna be something that concerns you. I'm just gonna check in on some of the comments. Uh who do we got here? Amari Barno had a 43640. How much has his stock grown and could he be for a fit for Baltimore? Great point. Uh I I looked at Barno closely. Uh I always kind of look at guys with that versatile skill set to do some coverage drops in the Sam role. Um, you know, a guy like Dalen Hayes in last year's draft was one of the few guys that could also play off ball linebacker, the way we use Tybo. Um, Barno is one of those guys. Absolutely. Uh, his athleticism shown, I don't think he's as advanced as a pass rusher. Um, but you know, he has that athletic upside. He fits in what they'll probably ask their Sam to do. He's absolutely going to be, um, in their conversation in those middle rounds. And I think, um, the fact that uh, Hayes and Tybo are hurt is only going to add for that making sense to get a little bit more insurance there, get a guy that can play off ball, drop into coverage, do all those things. Uh, even though, you know, Wink's gone and Mike McDonald's coming in, Mike McDonald still does some of those things. He, he played Hutchinson down as like a five tech um, and had uh, Ojabo up as a, as a two tech Sam type role. So I, I think that's something he's still going to prioritize uh, checking in here with Jim, 20 eyes after the first three tackles, which one are you comfortable with playing left tackle? If Stanley can't go, I think Penning be fine playing right tackle from day one, but left tackle. I absolutely agree. I think Penning is a day one right tackle. I think that's his best fit in the NFL, especially with the Ravens. Um, you know, put him in that Orlando Brown Jr. role, run, run power to the right like you did. Um, just ask him to collapse and down block on guys. Absolutely in his strength. Um, I think it would work really well with him. Uh, he really struggled in space on his tape, uh, which you guys would have saw in the film room. A couple guys that I think uh, can kind of provide that, uh, that sort of stability. Um, Rasheed Walker from Penn State. He's a guy that, uh, you know, he's got rawness to his game, but he, you know, he looks like a true left tackle, measured in well. Um, I think he's one of the guys that can kind of do it. Um, I'm not very high on him, but Bernard Raymond is pretty pro-ready. I think, uh, you know, he's the kind... Again, I'm not a huge fan of him, but in terms of having pro-ready guys, if Stanley can't rock, I think he'd be a really good one. Uh, I see Adam asking, can Falale start left tackle day one? Oh, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, I'm of the opinion. I think he can develop to play left tackle. I really do. Can he do it day one? It's going to be tough. He's just such a raw football player. Um, Sky high potential, but there's nothing in his skill set that makes me think he can't play left tackle. Um, people talk about the speed. I, I, I get it. He's a, he's a huge guy. Um, he's also very athletic. And the one thing he needs to work on is his vertical set. Um, and if you guys go, I, I, I retweeted it. Um, he talked about working on his pro, uh, on his vertical set at the combine. He he's well aware of it. Um, it's something he improved on each, each day at the senior bowl. If you go day one in his vertical set versus day three strides of improvement, didn't do it a lot at Minnesota. Um, But that's what he needs to fix to play on right or left tackle. Um, So, you know, can he do it day one? It's that would be nerve wracking. Uh, Absolutely. Um, It's just going to be that whole blindside piece playing in. Uh, But, you know, does he have a left tackle skill set? I genuinely think he, he does. There's nothing about it that, you know, he's not lacking in athleticism. He's got the foot speed. It's all about can he mask that or not mask? Can he match that foot speed with the technique? And it's that technique needs to come along um so you know that's really exciting and adam adds let's hope cross falls um if stanley can't rock there's no better guy to go get than charles cross he's charles cross player comp in in my mind is ronnie stanley uh very very good pass protector needs to improve his run blocking improving his run blocking is what took ronnie stanley from a, a good to a very good to an elite tackle um so definitely agree there um Strength Division one, who are some O line D line guys to keep an eye on in the later rounds or just guys in general that you think are good fits for the Ravens, but don't get mentioned a lot. Um, starting on the offensive line, a couple of guys that I like um for more mid later rounds. Um, I already mentioned Rasheed Walker. I guess he's probably like a second, third round guy, so not really kind of what you're asking. Uh, a guy like Andrew Stuber, I think, makes a lot of sense. Uh, big physical. Uh, left tackle out of Michigan he did some work all the way inside to center um, he had some bad looking one-on-ones I think a lot of that comes down to hey, he's 6-7 working against interior defensive lineman it's hard to work with that pad level um, so you'll have to factor that in uh, but you know he's a guy that I could see the Ravens being interested in you know, repeat, repeat, repeat the Michigan connection, but it is something that, you know, is relevant and is there. Matt Waletsko is a guy out of North Dakota, I think could really develop. Kellen Deesh, uh, Dare Rosenthal, uh, open it easy. Those are the kind of mid-round guys that I see as those developmental left tackles, whether they hit it in the draft uh, early with a Trevor Penning, or whether they go and uh, buy one in in, in free agency, I really hope they pick up one of these developmental guys. Obina Easy is he's just a heck of a talent. Um, you know, he came in with the right size, six six, two five, three twenty seven, ran he was 5'17 in the 40s, got the athleticism, raw football player. Uh, but you know, he has all the tools. Um, would love to get him in here for kind of a couple of years, especially if he was working behind Ronnie Stanley to really develop that uh, that game out. Dare Rosenthal uh is a guy that transferred to Kentucky. Again, the right size, good fit for the scheme uh that I think can develop. Uh Rosenthal, you know, I had some concerns with his tape. Uh he really struggled against Trayvon Walker. Um you know, and I, I don't think that's, you know, sure he's a top in the guy in this class, but, you know, once you get to the NFL, you're playing against, uh, you know, top players every week. So I, I think it's relevant to factor in that, that compete level. Um, so, you know, him struggling in that game was a little bit of a turnoff, but I still think he's got some nice tools to develop with. Uh, in terms of interior guys, uh, specifically centers, because that's a huge need. Cole Stranger to Chattanooga, uh, really good fit for our offense. Uh, Reminds me a ton of Quinn Miners, uh, comes from a small school, looks good at the senior bowl, goes on to have a good combine, and then we pick Ben Cleveland over him. Uh, That one still stings. Uh, But he's got that center ability. He can also play guard. Um, Good size on him, someone that really intrigues me. Uh, Thayer Munford's a guy that I find really intriguing. Um, Was a left tackle, moved inside when Petit Frere uh, kicked outside. He's got the length. He's got the size. He's got the aggressiveness, um, needs a ton of technique work. If they're looking for a guard tackle, um, you know, he kind of reminds me the way they could use him is like a jaw read roll where he's just kind of that inside-outside guy um, while he tries to develop into a hopeful starter. Cade um, Mays out of Tennessee had some snaps at center. Really intrigues me. Luke Fortner out of Kentucky is a guy that really intrigues me as a center. Um, and then lastly, the guy that intrigues me the most, I'm actually going to be doing a film room with him uh which i'm excited because we get to hear from him uh and hear him talk about some of his reps is brock hoffman out of virginia tech uh you know coming from a run blocking system in virginia tech uh that also he only allowed 13 pressures in two years as a starting center at virginia tech so that intrigues me um really good pass protection really good creation of leverage with his hands right mindset uh he's a dog Place through the whistle, uh, the kind of mentality I think we all want. So those are kind of the mid-round guys um, I'm looking at. Another guy that's kind of a bit of a sleeper is, is James NBO to BYU, really smart football player. His dad's an offensive line coach, um, kind of grew up in that environment. Uh, I think he needs to add weight onto his frame, but he's got the frame to add the weight. So, um, you know, a lot of these centers in this class are, are fits for zone schemes, but, you know, a couple of those guys I mentioned, specifically Hoffman, and Fortner, I think it fit well in the gap scheme. Uh, so they, their are guys that would intrigue me. Uh, moving on to uncle Jesse, how serious should we consider Jordan Davis as the guy at 14 versus the edge guys and cornerbacks expect to be there? Uh, yeah. Jordan Davis, what a freak, uh, of an athlete. That was, that was crazy. I, I thought he'd break five. There's no way I saw him breaking four, eight. Uh, so that was wild to see, um, how much to consider him. My biggest thing on Jordan Davis is I don't think he's just a nose tackle. There's no, there's nothing in his game that I see where he has to be lined up over the center or in the A gap. Um, He's going to demand a double team more often than not. Uh, So in terms of how you build that pass rush, um, he's just too hard to block one-on-one. That's just the reality. He's a monster of a human. Uh, with good athleticism and that athleticism does show up on tape uh there's just not guys that big taking that first step uh getting upfield. field one uh, he, he's definitely raw in terms of pass rush moves he's gonna have to work on that um to kind of round it out but there's just nothing like all you'd have to do is stick him in the b gap put him in a three tech you're gonna force that center to slide over a full gap What's that going to do on the backside away from him? It's going to create one-on-ones with your other three tech and your, your defensive end. Uh, so that's how he can open things up for his teammates. If you leave him one-on-one with a guard and you slide that center to the opposite side, that's going to be a tough day for that, for that guard to block him one-on-one just with, even just with his ability to collapse the pocket. Cause he's so big, he's so powerful. Um, so, you know, how much do you consider him? I don't think he'll, you know, jump over some of those guys, uh i you know i don't see him being better than better in the best player available formula than some of those uh other guys i also think like i would way rather have travis jones in round two than jordan davis in round one so you got to kind of factor that in but you know how serious should we be to consider him? I think you got to be pretty serious. Um, he does feel like a Raven type player. Um, you know you, they love those those big dudes clog in the middle. Um, it's always kind of been a feature of this defense uh, in Baltimore. So I, I think they'll be high on him. Uh, you know the positional value piece comes into play, uh, but I just I, I just don't see him as just a nose tackle, just a nose guard. Um, I think he's I think he's more versatile than that. Um, just checking on. You should go to the draft. It's up, engraven? I should go to the draft. I should. Yeah, I wish, man. I don't even know. I don't even know if I can hop the American border right now uh, from up here. Hope so. Uh, with the talk of, from JR, with the, the talk of the interior defensive line class being shallow, which prospects would you consider good enough to play a starting role? Uh, great question. Had this talk with someone earlier today um, kind of makes you wonder how much should you consider a quote unquote reach for a position, um, if it's shallow. So what I mean by that is there's just not enough guys that can kind of get, uh, he, yeah, I know how, how should I say that? Interior defensive line in this draft class, guys are going to fly off the board and it it's kind of like that that well dries up quick right where with guys that can come in and make an immediate impact you have Devonte wyatt jordan davis perry winfrey travis jones Federian matthews and then it kind of falls off right you you have some role players you got some developmental players um you know throw to marvin leal i'm really not high on leal i think he's a tweener um not high on him at all to be honest um so you know how much can you factor that in uh you know, it's, it's tough. It's going to be tough to kind of feel like we've reached for a position because we think that that well is going to dry up, but I do think you have to factor it in. Um, I really don't find this class deep. I do find it deep at, at one text. I think you can go get a out of UCLA, uh, Noah Ellis at Idaho, uh, Marcon McCall out of Kentucky, if I have that right. Um, Neil Farrell at LSU. Those are all guys that I think you can get to be those run stuffing one text. So, you know, if it comes down to should I take, you know, well, because I, I do think Davis and Jones have more upside, but you know, even John Ridgway, should we take John Ridgway in the third and kind of get that run stopping, clogging nose tackle? Or should we wait till like the fourth round comp picks a 138-140 cluster we have and take like a you know an Agbania, a Ellis, that sort of thing? Um, so I think you have to factor that in, but in terms of those pass rusher interior defensive lineman it does dry up you got to kind of factor that in um you know i don't want to say reach because you know that's not anything you should ever really be preaching but you just have to factor in um you know if you if you're if you're sitting there at 45 for example and travis jones is available uh you know the one tech out of yukon out of that i think you know has a lot of upside and you're you know you're debating between him and like a a carry limb, uh, a corner, or a a woolen, or a Kyler Gordon, you may want to factor in, okay, if we take him now, we can get a corner later that we're pretty happy with, but we're probably not going to be able to get a pass-rushing defensive lineman. So, you know, how much do you want to factor that in? I do think you want to, um, but that BPA is always going to be dominant. Uh, But if you're pretty high on Travis Jones the player, go get him, fill that need, get that pass-rush upside from the interior, and move on. Um, That's kind of how I feel. Uh, great question here from Jimmer, fellow Canadian. What are your top five O-line in this year's draft? And has there been changes to the list after the combine performance? Uh, nobody in the offensive line group really did much to change me. I mean, Quanu, Neil Cross, still your top three tackles. Penning, still my offensive tackle. Um, the only thing that I think changes Zion Johnson probably jumped Kenny green as the top guard available. Um, he really showed that athletic upside. Uh, he's got a thinner frame, but he's pretty powerful. So I think he's going to fit really well in either a gap or a zone scheme. So I think, I think Kenny green is going to be a better fit in a, in a gap scheme. So I think that versatility kind of gives him a bump. Uh, it sucks that Tyler Linderbaum didn't test cause, uh, it would have been freakish. He would have been putting up, uh, Especially in the shuttle, I think he would have absolutely destroyed it. Um, so that sucked not to not to see him test. But uh oh, there's Jimmer in the chat. What's up, man? Uh thanks for hopping in. Uh so yeah, that that so I guess to answer your question more directly, you know, what are the top like I'll give you my kind of top five tackles right now, uh, and top five interior. So I got uh I have cross one. I know people disagree with me. Uh it is what it is. So I got cross one, Aquantum two, Neil three, penning four. And I have, who'd I have five? I think I have Falale up to five uh, jumping Raymond, Petit Frere, uh, and Walker. So that, those are my top five offensive tackles right now. And then on the interior, you got Linderbaum, Johnson, Green. I have Salier higher. And then Tyler Smith's a tough one because I see him as a high guard. Uh, they can also play tackle, but I think a team's going to draft him as a tackle. So do you consider him as a guard? Uh, so coming in behind him at fifth, I actually have Ed Ingram. Uh, who jumped Salier and Darian Kennard. Um, I think Eddie Ingram is going to be an absolute beast. Uh, You know, he's just got those off-field concerns. Tried to do a little bit of research on them. I didn't find much, so I don't want to speculate. But I do think he'll drop because of that. But just as the player of the prospect, uh, very high-level film. Uh, So that's kind of what I'm looking at for top fives. Um, Just checking in on the comments. 25 Nuggets, what's up, buddy? Uh, The Ravens have five fourth round picks coming up based on the depth of this draft. Do you draft five times in round four using one of them? This is, this is a great question. Uh, thank you for asking that. Um, you know, I think trading up in the first round is going to be tough. Uh, if you throw in like one of those fourth rounders, you're probably only going to move up a couple spots. Um, so that's going to be really, really tough. Uh, but in terms of that second round pick 45, if I want to get up into the late to mid thirties, throw in one of those fours and get up there um you know if you think falale is going to go and you really want falale go get him and if daxton hill safety out of michigan falls go up and get him. uh you know use i think being aggressive with 45 makes a lot more sense And, and add 76 into this as well you could probably jump you could probably throw in 138 and jump from 76 all the way into you know bottom of the second round start of the third round uh from 76 same same idea Get aggressive, go find the guys you want, use those fourth round picks. Um, if not, this is a deep class. I think there's gonna be a lot of intriguing guys. But if you can get a difference maker, a guy, especially in that second round, second round makes a lot more sense to me. Um, you know, throw even 108 and jump right up there, get into the you know, mid 30s. I think it's a great option uh, to use those picks. And like you said, we have a, we have a lot of them. Uh, from Bruno Oliveira. Hey, Cole, listener from Brazil, what's your current favorite offseason strategy for the Ravens? Personally, I like to see the Ravens address O line and free agency and go BPA on defense in the draft. Bruno, my man, you're joining late, but you said literally what I just said. So you are thinking correct, my man. Um, no, uh, you, you nailed it. Um, I, I, I said it. Uh, it was the first question uh, on tonight's QA. I'll just repeat it for guys joining us later. I love the idea of addressing the offensive line early in free agency and going into the draft with flexibility. Um, To me, that's hitting center and right tackle or left. I mean, they're not going to hit left tackle because they're going to bet on Stanley. That just seems to be the reality. So cut James before the 22nd. He's on a 500 roster bonus, and uh, then that 500K can't be recouped. I'd cut James because they don't seem confident in the fact that he's going to be ready to go week one and they're going to be able to trust him. Cut him, save that $3 million. That goes into probably half of the first-year cap hit of a Morgan Moses or a Trent Brown. Go get him. Figure out right tackle. They don't have to worry about it in the draft. You have your right tackle, your right guard, your center, and your left guard competition between uh, Phillips and Cleveland. That's fine. Then you're just drafting for depth. You want to make sure you you're still going to take a left tackle pretty high because you're going to want to ensure that contract to uh, to Stanley. So you know, but maybe you have to you you only have to do it at 76 or 99 in the third round versus the first round with like a penning or you know in the second round with some of those other guys. Of course, best player available factor into here as well. Um, But I love the idea of 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 building up that offensive line uh, in free agency. I think there's a lot of guys out there to do it. Um, so that's kind of my preference. So it's funny you hit on that. Uh, going to Perennial Cynic. Who would you take at 14 between David Ojabo, Trayvon Walker, and Jermaine Johnson? Uh, I tweeted this out during uh, the, the combine on, on Edge Day. It's kind of a fun little grouping of those three. You kind of have the top two pass rushers and then this group of three, which is Ojabo, Walker, and Johnson. And they all have, you know, my guy, Michael Crawford, at Bukhari always says, you know, when You're looking at some of these guys, it's like going to get ice cream. You love ice cream, the type of flavor you kind of end up with doesn't matter because you love ice cream so much, you just get to pick your favorite of the flavor. So, what I'm saying with Ojabo, Walker, and Johnson to bring this all full circle Ojabo is your, your your typical throwback speed rusher, he's going to get out. he's going to get upfield, get after the quarterback. Trayvon Walker is your old school power rusher that you can slide inside, and then Jermaine Johnson's kind of your in between to all around, he's not quite the speed rusher of an Ojabo. He's not quite as powerful as Walker, but he's kind of got a complete skill set. So who would I take of those three? Oh, it's tough. I'd probably lean Jermaine Johnson because, um, well, it's tough because Ojabo makes so much sense too. The the fun thing about this conversation is Odafe Owe is so versatile that you have that type of, like, you can stand him up and play him as a 3-4 outside linebacker, or you can get his hand in the dirt and play him as a defensive end in, in more of a power role. So I think that gives the Ravens a lot of flexibility in terms of who they want to bring in and how they want to build these pass-rushing defensive lines. I think the other thing I like about Jermaine Johnson is he's kind of the complete package, and with Johnson and Oway, they can get back to kind of two true you know, hand in the dirt, four man lines, there's your two bookend defensive ends. So I kind of like that setup. Um, but if they go get a it's going to make sense. And Walker also makes sense. Cause we talked about interior defensive line being uh shallow, he can slide inside and be a pass rusher on the interior that allows you to get away. And, uh, uh, like a Tybo, a Dalen Hayes out there. So you kind of have, it, it's like the Pernell McPhee roll. Um, so those, the, those, all three guys intrigue me for different reasons. Like I said, I'll take Michael's words. Uh, it's, it's like having, get your favorite flavor of ice cream. You just get to pick which one you want. Uh, check in on the comments. Yeah. No worries, Bruno. Uh, no, I, I love the way you're thinking, my man. Uh, it was funny to hear, hear you say that. Cause, uh, you read my mind, dude, you read my mind. Uh, from Jim eyes, the defensive talent in the draft is tremendous. There will, there will be a defensive player, a defensive BPA in every round. We've got to mine that goal. That's what I'm saying, man, go fix your O-line in free agency. And then, you know, you can just go pick after pick after pick, um, in, in those top four rounds on, on defense. I think it makes so much sense. Um, you know, you're still gonna get your developmental tackle, probably get an interior player too. Um, but you know, you don't have to worry so much about the defense. It's, ex- it's especially deep at, at linebacker as well. And I think uh, they'd really like to uh, get someone to play beside Queen. I don't know if they're sold on Malik Harrison. Um, so again, you know, if you've kind of already dressed the uh, offensive line, you can go get a Troy Anderson. You can go get a Chad Mumma. Uh, Quay Walker out of Georgia, a lot of intriguing linebackers. I just want to have offensive line settled and we kind of have a little bit of stability. And I don't have to stress about it on draft night because you guys know where I lean in terms of what I like to watch. And if that O line is still not figured out going to the draft, and then round one comes by and they don't pick an offensive tackle, I'm gonna be stressing going into that Friday. Uh, if the Ravens trade down from 14, what is the most likely trade partner? it's an interesting one because you got to kind of think like who would jump the eagles that's that's kind of the question right they got those three picks and like six picks or whatever it is um so who are the eagles going to be targeting and why would someone want to jump them uh who needs a center because i could see the eagles taking tyler linderbaum with one of those three they're probably not going to care about the positional versatility piece uh or sorry the positional uh value piece because they have three first round picks who gives a crap and one of them is a the center um so you know who who would trade up for a center uh who would trade up for you know one of those corners uh because i could see the eagles doing that you know who wants an andrew booth who wants a falling stingley um that type of move guys that i think can make sense i can see the cardinals at 23 making sense uh especially if an edge rusher falls like a jermaine johnson's there uh, you know, there lo- looks like they're losing Chandler Jones. Uh, they could maybe, maybe want to pull that trigger, get up there and get one of those, those defensive ends. Um, but then it begs the question. It's like, why did we trade back? Why did we not just take the defensive end? Uh, but you know, I, I think trading back into the early twenties, uh, probably one of the more logical picks, um, would be, you know, the other, the other team that could make sense is the Cowboys. If they wanted to trade up for Linderbaum, But would they really trade all that draft capital for a center? Uh, That's kind of the tough part. could see maybe the Saints trying to jump up uh, if they think the Eagles might take a quarterback. I don't know why the Eagles would do that. Uh, But if they didn't want to jump back quite as far, I could see that. Um, So, uh, yeah, because you made the point here. Because if those three uh, DNs are on the board, I trade down. The only thing that's going to be tough is I feel like if they trade down, they're all just going to fly off the board. So it depends on who they trade down to and why did that team trade up. Uh, and I can't really see a lot of logical reasons a team would trade up other than like, you know, maybe you get the saints want to trade up. Probably not though. Cause they're in such cap issues. They probably want their draft picks. Um, so it's going to be tough. I, I I think a trade downs less likely in this year's draft than in most years. I think they're going to get the better value by standing patent and, and just, you know, taking the pick at their best player available. Um, Festivus max 52. How high could Falale creep up on the board or be sure he might not get grabbed at 45 uh, before 45? Uh, I think Falale may sneak into the first round to be completely honest with you. Um, that type of athletic upside for a person that large is going to be very intriguing. Uh, I think the Bengals at 31 are a, a team that I could really see taking them. Uh, I wouldn't sleep on the Titans taking them. he actually fits really well in a zone scheme. He did a lot of that at Minnesota. Uh, he's very athletic in space. There's a, a play from 2019 that I did in his film room uh, on the channel, where he was uh, doing uh, outside zone blocking play side against Micah Parsons, and the way he paced his his steps to mirror Micah Parsons before he made contact with him was so impressive. And that's Micah Parsons. Uh, you know, defensive rookie of the year. Uh, so, you know, the way he played in the run game against that Penn State 2019 defense uh, really shows his athletic upside. I think a team, I could see a team like the Titans being really into him. Definitely could see the Bengals. I really think he could sneak into the first round. Um, and if not, I think he's going to go in those kind of first five, five to six picks of the second round. Um, so I do think if you want Falale, you'd have to trade up for him or trade down somehow and, and take him in, you know, the, middle of the twenties, uh, which is going to be high for him. And I know people aren't going to be that high on it, um, but that's really how I see that scenario kind of rolling out. Um, anyone else just hoping, praying for Kyle Hamilton fall would love that 14. Uh, yeah. Keep, keep tweeting Jim just keep tweeting that it, his 40 time was, uh, was you don't want that 40 time, not in the top 13. Uh, you know, yes, ham- Hamilton's a freak. Um, you know, he's probably, One of the best pound for pound, uh, play for play. He's probably one of the best, like top three player in this draft. Um, he's just that good. Uh, you know, he's got that type of talent. So, obviously, if they could get him at 14, I'd be, you know, I don't, whatever else has happened, every agency up to there, run that card with Hamilton up there. Um, how about picking up 14 and trading back into the late first? You nailed it. That's been one of my favorite uh, scenarios. So, if you look at the JJ chart, which, uh, you know, the JJ chart is, you know, it, it, it's pretty consistent with trades. There's always going to be outliers that you can point to and be like, this didn't follow the JJ chart. Um, the one of the best examples is uh when the Eagles traded up for Devontae Smith last year uh with the Cowboys. I think they played a di- paid a division tax um uh, because they traded with a divisional rival. Um but generally speaking, you can get away with that. It's To get up into like, like to get 32 from the Lions, I think they could get away with giving pick 99 and maybe one of their, like you could probably give one of your future fourth round picks or something like that to try and balance out the JJ chart. Um, but picking a 14 BPA defensive player, trading into the late first and taking a Daniel Falale, getting that fifth year option, that's a pretty intriguing, uh, option to me. Could also do the same and get up there and get Dax Hill. What if he came out of that draft with, uh, um, you know, Dax Hill at, at 32, and you also just took, like, I don't know, a Stingley, a, you know, that type of move. Like, how much better did your secondary just get? Um, so definitely some really interesting uh, combinations that you can put together with, with that type of move. Um, getting back into the questions that came in on Twitter, uh, from Con- my guy Connor kellstrass what are your thoughts on Petit Frere? Seems to not be discussed much. TDN comp as Ronnie Stanley. I saw that. I really don't like that comp. Uh, I don't think he's as good of a mover as um, Stanley is. I see a lot of guard foot, footwork from him. What I mean by that is short, choppy steps. I think he's really going to struggle with that at the NFL level. Um, so I think that's something, but he, he is really athletic. I think he's a better fit in a zone scheme uh, than he would be here especially at right tackle. I really don't see him as a right tackle option in our scheme. Uh, I could see him being okay at left tackle. So if they took him, you know, in the second, even the, at pick 76, um, and they were pretty confident that Ronnie Stanley couldn't get back, then it would make sense to me. I mean, he, he should be a good pass protector um, that isn't a great run blocker at the next level, but you can live with that in your left tackle. You, you need that guy to be a lockdown uh, pass protector. So I think you could kind of get away with that there. So that type of move would make a lot of sense to me. Um, but overall, I'm not overly high on Petit Frere. I have guys like uh, I have Raymond Walker, Falale. Uh, I'm debating, I'm having a hard time with Abe Lucas, where to land him. Uh, I'm not sure. I got to really, I got to go back to his film. He bugs me, but for different reasons. He's got a pretty weak anchor and I'm just worried about uh, with have him having leverage issues and just getting driven through his anchor so i gotta go back to him and do a little bit of work but uh he may even jump petite frere i'm really not high on petite frere um i'm gonna have to do a film room on him though because uh i don't want to slander the man's name i, I want to give him his due and uh you know really you know put the film out there and show where my head's at um Ravens have done well recently with picking late first fifth year option makes big difference. Lamar Jackson at 32 is a perfect spot. Absolutely. And I mean, the fifth, the fifth year option lost some of its value. It's not as cheap as it used to be. Um, But the extra year of of control is nice. Um, And it's still going to be somewhat cheap if they're a high performing player, Uh, which if you, you know, if you're picking a high value position like a tackle um, that has developed well, you're still going to get a bit of a discount on that fifth year option. Uh, who's your ideal free agent pickup next week? Realistically, Trent Brown. Um, I get it. I get people are going to be worried about the injuries. Um, using his 2020 injuries against him is a little ridiculous. Uh, he missed time with COVID and then he missed time because he had a pregame IV that had an air bubble in it and caused him to go into cardiac arrest. Not necessarily the most, uh, reoccurring injuries. Um, so I'm not, but, but I'll get, I, I do acknowledge the calf last year was a little bit of an injury concern. Um, So, you know, you'd have to be okay with the medical, but a guy that can come in and play right tackle, they can move to left tackle that fits your scheme. Uh, There's just not better fits than Trent Brown. Uh, You know, the the 6'8", 360-pound monster that he is. Um, I think he'd make a lot of sense. And uh, let's get back here. The Combine showed that there are a lot of athletic freaks out there and, in my opinion, just made it more difficult to pick a fourteen. Do you think it's locked to pick a D player at 14 after the combine? Uh, I don't want to say lock, but I think it got more likely. Uh, There's like I said, between a penning for some of these defensive players, if that's the way the board stacks, it's going to be hard to feel like they took BPA. Um, So, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. Um, But you know, I do think they're probably going to go defense. That's really where I kind of lean. So uh, the combine helped, uh, you know, it made a lot of these guys shine. So it definitely helped. Uh, from Yanata, uh, Yanata and Scott, uh, what tight end in this year's draft could potentially play a similar role as Hayden Hurst? Uh, you guys will be familiar with this name. Uh, it's Chiggy Akawano, Akawanko, uh, probably saying it wrong. Ak- 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 Okanhwa, Okanhwa, is that what it is? Um, kid out of Maryland, tight end out of Maryland. Uh, ran a ridiculous forty. Um, is one of those kind of H back options. I, I I can see. Obviously a very fluid athlete. Uh, ran pretty decent routes. I watched him against Michigan uh, the night that they tested. Um, just because I wanted to see some of his film. Uh, I think he's a really. I think he's a guy that can get in the fourth. Um, they can come in and do some of that moving. Uh, His blocking was actually a little bit better than I was expecting. Obviously, he's not going to be like a a Nick Boyle type blocker, but as a move tight end, kind of an H-back, that role that Hayden Hurst played for us, I think it'd be a really good fit. Get him in the middle rounds, uh, and you're getting an upgrade over like a Josh Oliver. Um, So I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, Checking in on these. If the Ravens sign Trent Brown or Moses, would you still take Filale if he's there at 45? Yes, because... Uh, you know, I think if they got, I mean, it really depends. Like, I think they could go get Trent Brown on a two-year deal. So if they go get Trent Brown on a two-year deal, you're going to be kind of in the same spot in two years. So then you've just picked Falale who's developing, you know, look at a guy like Jordan Maleta out of Philly, similar situation, right? Australian started playing football very late in his life with a rugby background. Um, and look at the player he's grown into. He was given that time on the bench in Philly, to develop it's kind of like seeing some of these quarterbacks sit for a couple years or, or even just a year um it would kind of be a little bit of a sting that you took a guy at 45 that isn't getting on the field immediately but the way he could develop behind these guys especially playing with someone like brown that's similar size similar type of developmental path that you want to see um i would he's still very much in the picture for me there again i think he can play left tackle um so he provides that versatility off the bench as kind of a high-level offensive tackle backup. Which, with the injury concerns the Ravens have had, specifically with Ronnie Stanley, I think it makes sense to overinvest there. So I, I can justify it enough to, to make that move. Um, is Raymond not on your radar at all? Feel like I've heard about him as OT five or so, but not sure he's crossed your path for the film room. I got to do a film room on him. Uh, like I, it's kind of what I just said about. Uh, um, uh, someone else, I, I, I got to give him uh petite fair. I got to give him his day in court, right. And, and put the film out there and kind of walk through my thoughts. Um, it wouldn't be fair not to, uh, so I am going to be doing him very, very soon. Um, and I'm looking forward to it again. Uh, you know, he's a little mechanical in his past sets. Um, you know, he's a really raw football player, Austrian, that started playing late similar to Falale. Um, what, what kills me is him being 25, uh, and the reason it kills me, you know, I usually don't care about age that much, but being an older prospect and not being physically dominant in situations like the senior bowl, they just bug me. Um, cause at, at 25 years old, how much more can you grow physically? It's all going to be about making him a better football player. Um, so, you know, how much more physical can he get at this age? It's going to be tough. And it's also, you know, Maybe at 45, I can live with it because he has that left tackle ability and he should be turned into a really good pass protector. So I can see that making sense. He's also got really good size, Um, but the the ceiling is a little lower than I'd like to see uh, with Raymond. And who is the Orlando Brown of this draft? Someone's going to fall because of a bad combine, but shouldn't. Oh, that's a really good question. I don't think there was anyone that had like really high expectations and then like really cropped the bed, like the way Orlando Brown cropped the bed, like showing up and pushing out 14 reps and like running, he ran like a five, six, which is like, I run like five, eight. So, I mean, he almost ran as slow as I did. Um, Like that was truly bad. Uh, But a couple of guys that didn't really stand out, some of those bigger noses, like, you know, well, I I don't want to say Neil Farrell because he wasn't expected to be a first rounder. I, I honestly can't think of anyone that really failed the combine that bad. Um, like, I mean, like really tagged the combine. So I'm not sure there's an Orlando Brown. Um, there are a couple guys that I could see slipping a little bit. Um, I think George Karlaftis is probably going to slip a little bit. Uh, but again, he didn't really have a bad combine by any means. Uh, you know, maybe no, Cause I mean, you look at some of these edge rushers, they all crushed it. Um, I really, I, I really don't see an Orlando Brown in this class. Uh, great question though. Uh, it's always fun to kind of hit on those guys. Um, going back here, uh, flood your questions in right now. Cause I have one more Twitter one and then I'll kind of wrap up. So if you guys drop them in the comments right now, uh, so I get to them, give your cornerback ratings LMAO. Uh, I don't know why you're laughing, uh, for black beans. Uh, this is a bit of an inside joke. I always say corners are boring, uh, cause they are. Uh, but, uh, you know, kind of how I see the corners. I got sauce at one. I got Stingley at two because I I just, that that upside is there. I got Booth at three. I got Kyler Gordon at four. I got McDuffie at five. I put Kyler Gordon up. I just think he's got better uh, instincts, at least what I saw on, on tape. I got Roger McCreary. I got Matt Elam. Care Elam. And then I got Marcus Jones, followed by Tariq Woolman. Uh One of the guys I'm probably lower on in terms of what I saw on film was woolen versus his athletic testing. Obviously he tested like crazy, um, but I wasn't sure that, you know, I, I, it's tough with the competition aspects and he did have a good senior bowl, um, but I didn't see like that explosive a, of an athlete where he was kind of putting up those types of numbers on the field. Um, so uh, in terms of his explosiveness, not his long speed, his long speed, I think he, he clocked in at the fastest uh, senior bowl miles per hour. Uh, that they've ever had. So he's got that long speed, but in some of the agility, I didn't quite see the explosiveness uh, to to cut on breaks wasn't quite there. So I had a little bit of issues with him there. Um, I'm a little bit higher on Marcus Jones than a lot of people. Another guy that I'm a lot higher on than others is Kobe Bryant. Um, he got targeted a ton at Cincinnati because uh, they weren't targeting Sauce Gardner, uh, and I thought he held up really well. Um, you know, he's got some things he needs to work on, but as you know, a fourth round guy. I think he'd be a great fit to develop on the bench kind of reminds me of the type of development story that uh, Anthony Averett was Uh, you know, people kind of dogged on him, gave him a hard time, but you can't deny he was, he was good depth coming off the bench, uh, played in a lot of big moments for the Ravens Uh, this year, obviously sucked just because he got kind of thrown to the wolves and then everybody else started dropping. Uh, But he quietly, you know, it's of one or two really bad games. He had some really solid ones. Uh, So, you know, those kind of fourth round picks that can develop at corner, uh, would be, would be really great to have. He's also got really good size. So that's intriguing. Um, so that rounds out our questions that came in again, if you guys have any drop them in, uh, the comments on YouTube, uh, do me a favor, hit the like button. Uh, you know, it goes a long way in supporting these videos, uh, and hit subscribe. If you guys want to find your way back for more, not seeing any more, uh, coming in. So I'm going to wrap up, uh, fantastic first attempt at an AMA. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Like I said, you guys formed the round table um, today. So I really appreciate it. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Peace out, everyone.